Well, good morning and welcome to week two of our Aftermath series. And you have probably had some big things in your life that have had an, an impact, and you could be feeling that impact. Um, for those of you who have had children, you, that's a big deal in your life. That's a big moment, and you are feeling that aftermath. It, it, Susanna and I remember after having our first child, and our first child, uh, Madison, is here uh, in the service today, and um, we, we remember us thinking, okay, well, uh, no more going out to dinner, no more to going to movies, just last minute. Our freedom is gone. But of course, we, we love the fact that what, uh, what joy that Madison brought into our lives and the love that we were able to give to her. For those, for those who are, had the opportunity uh, to get married, obviously uh, having that, that marriage moment is something that is, can create an aftermath in your life. And so not all aftermaths are bad because there are moments where there's beauty found in our aftermaths. We have been walking through some small tragedies, some may call them big tragedies, in our, in our uh, culture between COVID-19 and the racial unrest and the rights and everything. We are, some would say we're actually living in a, a portion of that aftermath and some would say that that aftermath has not even come yet. Depends on your perspective. But we do know this, an aftermath always follows a big event. And most often it follows a storm. Last week, we visited a storm where the Apostle Paul was traveling as a prisoner to Rome. And they were traveling a few thousand miles by, uh, by boat with about 276 other people. And there was a, literally a storm. And we talked about last week some, some storms that you and I may face of things we should do and things that we should not do as we read through that passage in Acts chapter 26. And I encourage you to, to go Watch that message on our website. Whatever storms, marriage, financial, parenting, social media, storms that are going on in your life, there's some things to do, things not to do. This week, I want us to talk about an, an aftermath of a big event. This event was huge. I mean, so huge that it's one of the, the major events that we as a church, the body of Christ, all over the world have, have been recognizing, have been celebrating for a very long time. This event revolved around the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. This event was huge. And because this event was so huge, it provided an aftermath. And we're going to talk through that aftermath today. That tragedy of the death and burial of Jesus Christ is where that aftermath begins. And you may say, well, Pastor Frank, why would you say that 
the cross of Jesus Christ and his burial, why would you say that would be a tragedy? Isn't that a beautiful thing? In fact, we sing hymns of the wonderful cross, a wondrous, beautiful cross. You know, on this side of the cross and this side of the resurrection and this side of the church being formed, yes, you would say it's a beautiful thing, but let's put ourselves in the sandals of the disciples and the followers of Jesus Christ back in the day. Let's put ourselves in their shoes and to see and to feel what they were going through. Because you had this, you had this incredible man who healed the blind, the lame, rose people from the dead, cast out demons, taught words of life to people, hung around sinners, helped sinners to realize that they can change. And yet, this man, this same man, was falsely accused. This same man who the, the religious leaders use his own words to, to trap him. And this same man who was forced to stand before Pilate, a governing official in Rome, after the religious leaders and their mob arrested them, beat him up. And this same man who stood in front of a riot of people, yelling, crucify, crucify. You know what a riot is, don't you? If you don't, you may want to look on your news feed right now and you could see what a riot looks like. This, this riot was really greater than, than Pilate because Pilate, the governing official, he didn't really see the connection between what Jesus did and him being crucified. He saw no reason to crucify Jesus, but the religious leaders and the mob and the riot was a louder voice than Pilate. And so imagine the, the followers of Jesus Christ and, and the agony and the confusion they must have felt knowing that their man that they were following, this Jesus of Nazareth, was being crucified, beaten. They saw him carry his own cross. They saw him nailed to the cross and die a slow, agonizing death. Imagine what they were going through, the thoughts they were thinking. Yes, it was a tragedy in their minds. But three Days later. Y'all say three days later. Three days later. Say it louder. Join me online. Three days later. The, the tomb that was sealed with the big rock was rolled away. Jesus rose from the dead. Yes. Hallelujah. Jesus rose from the dead. And he was able to visit 
with some of his followers, his disciples. The Bible said he, he spends about 40 more days on earth, and then he ascended up into heaven. He ascended into heaven to be with his, his father and to rule and reign on his glorious throne and to prepare a place for us, the believers of Jesus Christ, for those who accept him as Lord and Savior. We can even see this in the book of Acts. I'm gonna be in Acts chapter one and a little bit of Acts chapter two. If you have your copy of God's word, if not, we're gonna have it on the screen. We're also gonna have it for those who are watching online on your screen as well. But if you turn your copy of God's word or you can use your app, Acts chapter one, we're gonna start in verse two and we're gonna, actually verse three, we're gonna read verses three through nine. It says this, after his suffering, talking about Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they're, they're, they're thinking it's an earthly kingdom. They're so confused. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my, my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and in a cloud hid him from their sight. What, what an amazing, what, what an amazing scene to see Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. What an amazing scene for those women. They were they're at the Garden of Gethsemane, I mean, they're at the tomb, and they were able to, to see that, that the stone is rolled away and have an angel visit them and say, Jesus is not here. Why do you seek the living among the dead here in this graveyard? He's risen. Go tell others. What an amazing, incredible aftermath to the death and burial of Jesus Christ. What a crazy and amazing ending and a powerful aftermath to Jesus Christ. But let me ask you a question. What would you say is the most important aftermath of the life of Jesus? What would you say is the most important and impactful aftermath the life of Jesus. Some of you sitting here today or watching online would say, well, of course, it's the, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I, I would agree with that. Some would say, well, it's the ascension to heaven. To, for, for the disciples and the followers, there were about 120 of them that saw this, this eyewitness of, of him 
just ascending into heaven. I mean, that right there, it, it, it created the, the final grand finale to an incredible mission-filled life. Mission accomplished. He's in heaven. Maybe that would be the most impactful, incredible aftermath of the life of Jesus. But today, I actually think there's a greater one. Yes, there's a bigger aftermath than the resurrection of Jesus or the ascension of him into heaven. Um, let me kind of illustrate with this, a personal illustration. You know, one of these days, Frank Bennett is going to die. I am. One of these days, unless Jesus comes back, and Jesus, you're welcome to come back anytime you want. One of these days, you're going to die. Watching online, you're going to die. Aren't those comforting words for you today? But I'm going to die. And the aftermath that I leave behind, what's going to be my, my big aftermath? Is it be all the money I leave behind? No, pretty much guarantee that, not. Is, it, is the aftermath the fact that I was able to, with, with a, a large group of people, just be able to plant Lake Point Church? Maybe. But I tell you, can I tell you the, the, the aftermath that I hope would be the most effective after I'm gone is the fact that my children will live their life for Jesus Christ. They will share their life with others and their children and their children and their children would follow Jesus because of the life that I led. That is the most amazing, impactful aftermath I could think of. And I hope and I pray that that is the aftermath of my life. I would say the best, the best aftermath is not found in his resurrection. Oh, it's very powerful, yes. I would say the, the best aftermath of Jesus Christ, of the life of Jesus, is not found in his ascension. The best aftermath I could see, that I see, is what the followers of Jesus Christ experienced in the upper room. And today, my goal is to show you why. My goal is to show you why, because if Jesus Christ ended his life with the resurrection and the ascension, those 120 people, yeah, they would tell others what had happened. Oh, he rose from the dead, he ascended. Man, I was there, I watched it, it was amazing, it was great. And then they lived their life and maybe their children told those stories. And then, slowly but surely, a generation or two later, the impact of Jesus would fizzle out. 
The stories would always be there. But the life that lives inside of him, the spirit would fizzle out. And that's the end of the story. Jesus would be in a history book. He would be known as a great teacher, maybe a prophet, maybe someone who could rise from the dead, and that's it. But because those 120 people who saw the ascension went and they gathered together and they went in the upper room, they were able to carry it on further. And we're gonna read about this. Acts chapter two, verse one through eight. Verses one through eight, let's read about it. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And then what happens is G, uh, um, Peter gets up and he, he addresses the crowd and he answers them. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and, and I'm in verse 14, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. It's only nine in the morning. They are not drunk, as you would say. And then we see in verse 36, after, after Peter explains the prophets and connects the prophecies, prophecies to the life of Jesus and how Jesus came and he gave his life freely and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And after Peter explains this in this, in this chapter, in these next several verses, and then we get over to verse 36 through 41, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. This is Peter talking. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to 
their number that day. What happens is we see this. Those 120 followers of Jesus Christ, they obeyed the word of the Lord. They gathered together in an upper room. The Holy Spirit came down and filled those people. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter, a disciple of Jesus Christ, stood up and addressed those other Jews who were in from around the world. And he addressed them. And 3,000 people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That is powerful, and that is the birth of the church. The church being born is, I would say, the most impactful aftermath of the life of Jesus. Can I tell you something? If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, sitting here or watching online, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are part of the aftermath. You are the aftermath. Look to your neighbor, say, you are part of the aftermath. You are part of the aftermath. So how did all this take place? What can we learn from these 120 followers? Well, there's four words I want us to, to focus on today. They're very simple. Four simple words. The first word is called stay. Stay. Jesus told them, if you remember, he said in, in verse four, there chapter one, he says, stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave. Now, I would imagine maybe some of those, those people were like, okay, let's get this straight. They, the religious leaders crucified you yeah, you rose from the dead, that's awesome. You've been hanging around with us for like 40 days and different people, and, and it's great. Now, now, you're about to go to heaven, and you're telling us to stay here? I mean, there's still people, maybe they would want to kill us. Are you kidding me? You want us to stay close to the center of the tragedy of all of this? Yes. I want you to stay near the tragedy. Stay here. Don't move away from the tragedy. Don't ignore the tragedy and don't pretend it does not exist. COVID-19, racial unrest, riots. We can't pretend those don't exist. We cannot ignore them. You know, during COVID-19, our church had the opportunity to partner with other, other community partnerships, and we were able to deliver food directly to the homes of people for several weeks. You have given to those opportunities. You have given to, pe to people that we were able to, uh, through backpack buddy programs, we were able to, uh, to deliver food straight to the front door of people right here in the Emerson community. We did not ignore that. We did not pretend it didn't exist. We stayed close 
to the tragedy. And we will not ignore the fact that there some injustices going on right now on whatever side you're looking at. And both sides, there's some, there's some bad choices being made. We're not going to ignore that. We're going to pray over that. We're going to be, have our hearts close to that. Had the opportunity just last week, a black friend of mine, gentleman, I saw him in, in Home Depot, he's a Christian brother, he's not a pastor, but he, uh, he attends a church, and, and this is a gentleman that, that he and I see each other periodically through the community. He's not one of the guys that, that I have, you know, in my phone. I encourage you a couple of weeks ago, you should have at least five people of color in your phone that you can call at any time. At least, I want to encourage you to continue to work on that if you don't have that. But this, this black friend, I always enjoy talking to him. He, he's just, he's got the joy of the Lord. And so we're in, we're in Home Depot, and here we are on aisle 23, and we're talking just uh, about life and how, how his family's able to cope with the COVID-19 and how it's you know, kind of starting to go away and people are kind of getting around and stuff. And, and then I just felt in my spirit. I said, brother, let me ask you something. How, how is the black community doing with all of this stuff that's happening with our race, riots, and, and, the, and the police officers and the tension there? How, how are y'all doing? And he, he's got a big old smile, and, it, and that smile just kind of went away. And he looked at me with very serious face. He said, first of all, brother, I want to thank you for asking me that question. Thank you for not overlooking that. And he and I talked for another 30 minutes there on aisle 23 at Home Depot. And we talked for quite a while about what that means to him and his family. I prayed for him, and it was a great conversation. I walked away enlightened even more. And I say that not to say you gotta do exactly what I'm doing. I, I, it's just, it's, it's amazing, as I was preparing for this sermon, God gave me an opportunity to not ignore what's going on. Don't ignore the tragedies around you. Don't pretend like they don't exist. You can put that in your own life as well. Some of the small tragedies, the tragedies of, of arguments within your marriage, within your, within your kids, the things that's going on in your life, don't overlook it. Do not pretend they don't exist because they do. Don't move away from the tragedy. Jesus did not want them to move away from Jerusalem, the heart of, of where everything was going on. So don't ignore, stay close by. Jesus said that, stay in Jerusalem. Next thing he told us, he told them, those 120 people, wait. He wants us to wait. He wanted them to wait. We don't like waiting. I don't like waiting. 
I can't stand it when I get around behind someone in a car. I mean, I don't mind five miles under. That's, that's okay. Ten miles under. And 20, I'm like, all right, I'm on the verge of, 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 of not wanting to, you know, be a Christian here. Okay? You have got to move down the road. Sometimes I could be a very impatient person. But God told those 120 people, be patient between the tragedy and the aftermath. Y'all need to listen to what I just said. He told them, be patient, wait. You have to wait and be patient between the tragedy and the aftermath. Um, we're, we're, we're there, aren't we? Church, we're there as a society. We're there between the tragedy and the aftermath. What does God want us to do? He wants us to wait. He wants us to wait. Wait on him. Be patient. And this also means in our, our spiritual walk. When, when someone accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I know what you're thinking. Man, I want to, I want to be able to do anything with my spiritual power of the Holy Spirit and be able to live a life that is 100% pure, I'm not gonna fall away, I'm not gonna have those bad thoughts anymore, I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna have those, uh, those idols pulling at me anymore, I'm not gonna have those worldly things pulling at me, I'm gonna be a super Christian right off the bat because we are an impatient society. Can I tell you something? When you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to wait for the aftermath to happen in your life. It's a process. It's a process called sanctification. It's kind of a big word. And what it means is becoming like Christ. I know you may be bored there's a lot of people in church who are bored with their faith because they don't know about the aftermath. They've been told about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They've been told that he ascended, that he's in heaven. That's great, but what does it have to do with me? When you don't realize that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, when you don't live your life with that, then you're not living the aftermath. You are the aftermath. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, listening online right now, here in this church, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you are the aftermath. Resurrection, that's great. We can believe on that. You have to believe on that. He ascended into heaven. He, he reigns on his glorious throne. Yes, 
But it's bigger than that. Yes, it's bigger than the resurrection. It's bigger than Jesus sitting on a throne. It's bigger than that because that same spirit lives in you. And if you don't understand that, then you are going to have a boring Christian life. Um, I want to read a passage. I'm sorry, guys, production guys. I'm gonna throw something on you. Uh, John chapter seven. John chapter seven, I believe it's, thirty-seven. Thirty-seven through thirty-nine. If you can't get that up, this is when Jesus was at a at a festival. It's when Jesus was on the earth. So this is obviously before he was buried, rose again, ascended into heaven. I just feel like you need to hear this today. Uh, John 7, 37, it says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud, a loud voice. So the, these quotations I'm about to read, maybe this is for you listening online or here today. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been, yet been given since Jesus had not been glorified. John, one of the disciples, who obviously wrote this book, this gospel, this was written after the resurrection, ascension, after the Holy Spirit. The disciples were like, oh, it makes sense now. I understand what he's talking about. For those who are in Jesus Christ, you accepted Jesus Christ, you have a wellspring of living water flowing inside of you. Some of you need to understand that. You go to church, you sit there, watch this boring pastor live or online, and you check that off, and you go home, and you live your life, and you come back, and you do it again, and you come back and do it again, you may skip a Sunday, or two, whatever, and that's it, that's it. No wonder you're bored, and no wonder you're not growing, because you gotta understand the Holy Spirit, the wellspring of living water is inside of you, you're, you're, you're not focused on the aftermath of the Holy Spirit that lives right here with you. You treat the Christian life like six flags. You go to a ride, you get on a ride, and you say, well, that was fun. You go back next time, it's like, ah, I already rode that ride. We get so focused on wanting a new experience or moment from God that we miss the effects of the aftermath. Eugene Peterson, 
famously described the life of Christian discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. That's Christian life. Long obedience in the same direction. Wait on the Lord. Grow in him. Grow in him. You're not going to get immediate results. Christianity is not about a microwave. It's about a crock pot. And at my house, food that comes from a crock pot tastes so much better than a microwave. You need to have a crock pot Christianity, not a microwave Christianity. You know, the world is in chaos. They need the church to express the aftermath of being with Jesus. Are you with Jesus? So number one, stay. Number two, wait. Number three, pray. We see this in, in Acts 1.14. I'm gonna just read this verse real quick. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So we need to stay closer to tragedy. We need to wait. We need to have a long obedience in the same direction. We need to understand that the well of, of, of the Holy Spirit, the wellspring of life is, is within us, and we need to pray, what does that look like? What did that look like? First of all, the believers were together. It's important that you pray together. Our church, a few minutes ago, we spent time praying together for what is going on. We need to pray together. That's why it's important for you to come and have fellowship with the church. Yes, it's important for you to have that one-on-one time with the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's also important for you to pray together. And also, it says there, they were constantly in prayer. The Bible talks about how we should be praying without ceasing. The Apostle Paul talks about that. We should be constantly praying in an attitude of prayer. What does that mean? We, we can't talk to people. We have to be praying all the time. Well, let me, let me use an example. Your, your phones, did you know right now your phone is constantly connected to something? It's constantly communicating. Right now, your phone is communicating. Okay, it's connected. But you aren't necessarily looking at that but there are times, maybe after the service, you'll go and maybe check your email or social media, or you'll get a text, hey, we're going for dinner, that sort of stuff. And then you'll, you'll put it away, and then later on the day, you'll do it again, and you'll do it again. That's what it means to be constantly in prayer. Your spirit is constantly connected with the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, and then you, you have these, these spurts of prayer going throughout the day. That is what it means to have the wellspring of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That, having that constant prayer will help you not to have that boring Christian life. And also we see that all believers are praying. You see that a Mary, uh, the women married the mother of Jesus and with his brothers you know, if there's anyone who could probably get a pass on praying, it's probably the mother of Jesus or maybe his brothers. Like, well, you know, I birthed him. I gave birth to him. Hey, me and Jesus shared the same bed. We shared the same clothes. 
When we were little kids, little brothers, we used to take baths together. I mean, some of that may have rubbed off on me. I could probably skip this time. No. Guess what? They were praying. They were praying. Parents, don't just think prayers, those little kid prayers are about the children. Pray with your kids, yes, but then go beside yourself and get on your knees and pray and spend some time with the Lord. Let, even let your kids catch you praying. Oh, I caught dad praying. Oh, I caught mom praying. They tiptoe out of their room. They don't want to disturb you. So just because you might be the adult in the room doesn't mean that you get a pass on praying. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I get a pass on praying. We, are in, we will be in sad shape if your pastor stopped praying. And then finally, the fourth word is take. Stay, wait, pray, and take. Meaning this, take the spirit of the living God with you. Because guess what, in that room, that upper room, what happens in the room can't stay in the room. This ain't Vegas, y'all. Okay? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. This ain't Vegas. We can't approach a church like we're at Vegas. What happens in the room can't stay in the room. If you leave this church today or you turn off your computer on your phone after watching this and, and you don't tell someone about your experience in this room or if your life isn't changed, then you're not doing what Christ and the Holy Spirit wants you to do. You must Take what is happening in the room and take it with you. Take it with you. That's what happened. It spilled out from the upper room to those people who, who were coming into town. And Peter, he had to speak to them. You and I can meet as a church, but we just cannot keep it to our Selves. Jesus Christ did not give you the Holy Spirit just so you could go to church and keep it to yourself. He did not give you the Holy Spirit so you would get goosebumps when you're singing your favorite worship song and the band really kicks it into high gear and you feel like I can raise my hands now or I can just smile. That's not the only reason why he gave you the Holy Spirit so you would feel goosebumps. It's bigger than that. We've got to take it with us. Those times when you are by yourself and you're opening up God's word, if you keep it there and that time and what God is speaking to you, if you keep it there on that couch or on that back porch or in your car driving or whatever in the time of prayer, if you keep it there and that's it, you're not growing and you're not allowing the spirit to flow through you and you're not living the aftermath. Church, you and I can live the aftermath. We can be the aftermath. We are the aftermath. If we stay, if we wait, we pray, 
and we take. God is not as concerned with what happens during this service as he is with what comes after it. He's not. I believe it. Dad, dads in this room are watching online. You know, the devil did not, maybe not anticipate that the Jesus you experience in this service would translate into you wanting to have a family devotional. So that's taking what you have here and you're taking it with you and using it and being the aftermath. Single moms, or moms in general, you know, the devil may not anticipate the time that you spend with Jesus and the scripture you read, and while the kids are getting ready for school, you actually write some scripture on the kid's lunchbox, or maybe a note in their lunchbox, uh, a scripture or a note just saying, I'm praying for you. That's taking it from out of your time with him into something else. Students, the devil may not anticipate that the hangout that your experience and the relationships that you're building with other students that you're taking it and you're taking it with you and then maybe you send a Snapchat to a friend who's not in church and you say, hey, won't you come with me next time and a student hangout? You're taking that experience with you. That's what happened in the upper room. You are the aftermath. You are the aftermath. Church, don't forget that. That wellspring of living water is living inside of you. The greatest aftermath, in my opinion, it's not the resurrection. It's not the ascension. It's the birth of the church through the power of the Holy Spirit and his life living in us and it's spilling over into other people. So I encourage you, be the aftermath. Live the aftermath, the greatest aftermath. Because if you don't, it's gonna be a boring Christian ride. I've ridden that ride before. Yeah. It's like going to Six Flags, and there's a new ride every time. And by the way, you have season tickets. You go all the time. Man, they put up a new ride next week. Man, they put up a new ride. That's how living a Christian life with the aftermath, that's what it feels like. That's what it looks like. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As I close out this service, um, I know I went a little bit longer today than normal. I just felt like, I don't know, God just, I'm not going to apologize for this, but never apologize for God speaking to me and wanting to include some other parts of his word. But I do know this. There are people right now in this room watching online. You're kind of bored with your Christian life. 
Sure, you know about the resurrection. You know all that. You know all the answers, the Sunday school answers. You know about the ascension. Yes, he's in heaven. But what does it have to do with you? I tell you what it has to do with you is that spirit is living inside of you. You are the aftermath. If you're here today, maybe you need to be reminded. Maybe you need to pray, pray a prayer, something like, Lord Jesus, help me to be the aftermath. Help me to be the aftermath. I want to have a fresh wellspring of your spirit flowing inside of me. Or maybe you're listening online or right here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're thinking, you know, I don't really know what that feels like. You can experience that today, right now, by accepting Jesus Christ, by simply saying, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe that you love me. Please forgive me my sin. I confess that to you. Come be Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. And help me to be the aftermath. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear about it. You can send me an email at pastor at lakepointonline.com. I encourage you to do that, and I will get back back with you. Uh, Come back next week. We do have Father's Day events uh, next week, and uh, we'll have uh, things like a photo booth and all that kind of stuff. We have baby dedications happening, and so it's going to be a great time together. Um, We'd love for you to join us, and we'll continue in the Aftermath series. Joe's going to close us out with a couple of announcements.